This amazing Jackson Hole summer is about to taper off. We could feel the chill in the air this morning. Hopefully the traffic will lessen and parking will get easier in town. The elk will start bugling. In fact, we heard some bugling yesterday. And the cottonwoods and aspens will begin their final blaze of gold. And many birds will fly away. And the deer and pronghorn will migrate. And many people, too. Some of you are enjoying your last weeks before going to other places. Change is in the air. Well, I ask myself, one question I ask myself when preparing a sermon is, what if this is my last chance? What is there in the readings that will both connect to and support the people in the pews? And all of you have so many differing situations. At the end of the season, especially, as at the end of life, our times and opportunities are precious and rare. Life is short, and we don't have too much time to gladden the hearts of those on the way with us. So be quick to love and make haste to be kind. That's one of my favorite messages, as you know. Well, the scripture lessons today from Joshua and John's Gospel concern important life choices. The scene from Joshua is one of the high points in the Bible. It's the culmination of the first six books of the Bible, the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham and Sarah when he called Abraham out of his home to go to a new land in the wilderness. Over hundreds of years, the people of Abraham had been searching. They had faced famine and drought. They had been slaves in Egypt and experiences God's power in the Exodus. They had victories and setbacks. They had seen God's anger at Sodom and Gomorrah and God's mercy in the wilderness with the manna. They had built idols and they received the Ten Commandments. So following the Battle of Jericho, they were just about to settle down in the land of Canaan that they had been looking for at peace. And Joshua says, it's time to choose once and for all. Choose this day whom you will serve the gods of the Egyptians, the gods of the Amorites, the fertility gods of Canaan, or Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Abraham and Sarah. Now, this choice may sound easy to us today, but it was not as easy as it sounds. The Hebrews were traditionally herdsmen, not farmers, and they were now about to settle down in the land. When an Israelite family lived next to a Canaanite family, who had long worked the land, and the Canaanite farmer told the Israelite, your field is less productive than mine because you've not prayed to Ishtar, the fertility goddess, or Baal. It was very tempting. Many Israelites intended to choose Yahweh and thought they had chosen Yahweh, but the Bible, the subsequent Bible, is full of stories of how difficult it is to keep the covenant. Choosing is not necessarily once and for all, but choosing is a daily process. Just think of marriage. You make the vows, but then every day there are questions about 
how faithful you can be to those vows. Well, the lesson from John's Gospel is also about choosing. Some of the followers of Jesus found his teachings too weird. It's the lessons we've been reading the last four, week, uh, four weeks about I am the bread of life. So uh, Roman Catholic um, uh, John scholar, uh, his name is Raymond Brown, translates it a little differently than what we heard in the Gospel reading. Raymond Brown says, after hearing this, I am the bread of life, many of his disciples says, this talk is hard to take. How can anyone pay attention to it? And many disciples broke away and did not accompany Jesus anymore. So Jesus turned to the 12 and asked them, do you also want to go away? And Peter answered for them, Lord, to whom should we go? It is you who have the words of eternal life. You are the only game in town. It's another moment of choice. But like the one the Israelites had to make, they wavered. We know that P Peter wavered. Peter himself had relapses. Well, choice confronts us every day, and sometimes every hour in our thoughts. The Course in Miracles, which I have described before, says that we have such a choice every day to choose between heaven and hell. Well, as I thought about it, I think it's a bit of an overstatement. A less dramatic way, I think it's true, but a less dramatic way of saying it is that the human mind has choices which we can choose between being aware of God's beauty and power and, um, and uh, requirements, we can be conscious or we could be caught up in the daily routines and are unaware, which is more like limbo than hell. Now, we can also uh, let our minds go to hell if we let them go to fear and hatred and things like that. But when we get up in the morning, we can consciously decide to try to spend our day looking for God in nature and in people, or we can just slip right into trivialities or fear or hatred, which can sometimes, for some people, be hell. Heaven is where God reigns, and everything else will ultimately evaporate. Our actions can demonstrate our choice of heaven in many different ways, and that can help spread the kingdom. Every small decision, and it happened all during our day, to act with kindness, generosity, and understanding can bring heaven closer. Depending on what appeals to you, tutoring a child, paying our workers generously, voting thoughtfully, talking with our friends, noticing with our friends how heavenly life can be, becoming involved in some aspect of making a better world, housing, hunger, health care, education, justice, spiritual life, compassion for animals or the earth. You can also choose heaven by simply being kinder than necessary. I read this phrase, kinder than necessary, in a radiant children's book called Wonder by R.J. Palacio. Has anyone here read Wonder? Good. <laughs> it's turned out 
for me to be a productive strategy for choosing heaven. It's not always convenient or easy. Palacio wrote, what a marvelous line, kinder than necessary. Because it's not enough to be kind, one should be kinder than necessary. Kindness is not the same as flattery or dishonesty. And sometimes we have to say no, but we can say no kindly as we can. I think if this were my last sermon, I think that's what I would say. Try make a decision to be kinder than necessary. If every person in this room made yourselves a rule that wherever you are, whenever you can, you will try to be a little kinder than necessary, the world would be a better place. The author of Wonder also wrote, and I hope the children listen to this, kindness can spread from person to person like glitter. Anyone who's ever introduced glitter into any kind of art project at school <laughs> knows exactly what I speak of. You can't shake it off you. You pass it on to the next person. Its sparkling remnants linger for days. And for each tiny dot you find, you know that a hundred more have vanished into the carpet and into the cupboards. Where did they go? What happens to the glitter? So there's the thing about glitter. Once it's out of the bottle, there's just no way of putting it back. And it's the same with kindness. Once it pours out of your soul, there's no way of containing it. It just continues to spread from person to person, a shining, sparkling, wonderful thing. And that is choosing heaven. Every time you choose to be kinder than necessary, you will smile and remember that such is the kingdom of heaven and it makes you shine. As a corollary, there's another sort of glitter glue that's, sort of, that's unkind. The glue of unkindness can also stick to a vulnerable per person much longer than we intended it, and it's equally hard to put back in the bottle. When someone is unkind or unjust to you, and you return that unkindness with kindness, then you are really, you're turning things around and spreading the word of, the, the, not only the word of God, but the reign of God. And this is a very advanced one. If you can ever learn not to let meanness stick to you, not to take things personally, you are well along the way to heaven. Life is short, and we don't have too much time to gladden the hearts of those on the way with us. So be quick to love and make haste to be kind, kinder than necessary. Amen.